Hello everyone, here is Dania with a new episode of our e-commerce show and today I'm here with Brandon Higginbottom and he's the CEO of Vintage Gentleman and uh, today he will share his story with us. I think uh, you can learn a lot about Instagram, how to bootstrap a Shopify business. So all these topics will be discussed today. This show is sponsored by Budai Media. Budai Media is a fully remote e-commerce focused retention marketing agency. In the last three years, Budai Media worked with more than 100 e-commerce clients and generated an eight-figure extra revenue for these clients. If you want to check out their website, go to thebudaimedia.com and just send an email or actually you can just drop a message to me on any of my social media channels if you are interested to work with us. Hey, Brandon, how are you today? Hey, Daniel, doing well. Thanks for having me. Excited to be on here. Let's start at the very beginning. I know you worked in the insurance uh, industry before, which is very different from e-commerce. And uh, probably it was a bit accidental for you. You started out with an Instagram page that gained a huge traction quite fast. I think let's start there. So what was the story there? When was it? Yeah, so um, my backstory, right out of college, I started with an insurance company straight out of college and kind of grew that and had that going. You know, I was self-employed, so, you know, there was an entrepreneurial side, even with the insurance business, you know, I was growing a business, but fast forward to, so about six years into that in 2015, that is when I started to notice some trends on Instagram. My wife was on there and she was sharing, I didn't even have an Instagram account personally at the time, but she was sharing what was happening with both individuals and businesses kind of building audiences on there fairly quickly, like where they they get into a certain hashtag or they get reposted on another large account and quickly they grow their audience. And so, you know, I didn't have some grand business idea in mind, but I did see an opportunity to build an audience. And so I thought, well, let me do something that I'm into. So the idea of Vintage Gentleman came to be at that time. Vintage Gentleman, you know, I wanted to create kind of a lifestyle account more for men. So sharing things like my, my favorite bourbon, or, you know, a place that we travel to or, you know, accessories that I like. And quickly I began to build an audience on there. And within a year, I think we had around 25,000 followers on there. So just a nice organic audience. I did not have an e-commerce store at the time, but then as it began to grow and I had this audience and I started brands, other brands started reaching out to me with their product, whether it's a leather accessory or a whiskey company, and they would send me free product or they would pay me to share it, you know, cause they wanted access to my audience to get their product in front of them. And so I did that for about six months months. And then, you know, it hit me like, I need to be building an e-commerce brand. I need my own products. I can market these to my audience. I have a platform to kind of a base to start. And so that's where Instagram originally in 20, at that time, it was now 2016, really launched the brand. I would say that was Instagram was a big part of that. I would say Instagram's less of a part of the brand now, but it's still an important part. We do have around 240,000. So it's still a very important part of the brand, but you know, it's evolved a lot, but yeah, Instagram did give me a, a nice launching pad with an organic audience to market to in the beginning. Yeah, you 10x the following since then, right? You said 240,000. Yes. That's amazing. So it was back around 2016, 15. And I think back then Instagram was highly organic. Nowadays less. Probably it was like TikTok nowadays, I would say. Yes. If you have the right content audience fit, let's say, then, you know, you can grow quite fast. 
I'm curious, how much was it about technical things back then? You had different tactics or you read about it, you watched videos about it. I think there is this Gary Vee tactic called 80 cents a day strategy, something like that. So there are these different tactics or you just put out what you liked, you reviewed products and uh, that's what you did. Yeah, I think being a vintage gentleman at its core is a lifestyle brand, you know, so it's not really tied to any one specific product. And I think some of the content that we were able to put out that was not necessarily product related that the audience really appreciated. Like I, I know like sharing different, like a, some people would call it a study, you know, a more traditional study, kind of like man cave, like, you know, ideas, like, you know, like a nice home office setup, those type of, you know, where it's not product related, but it was kind of inspirational, that type yeah. of content that seemed to perform really well. And it would get in certain hashtags back then when hashtags really matter. So, you know, it was partly strategic along with just putting out a lot of different content. I was able to do some really good giveaways, partner with other brands and do giveaways and, you know, just being consistent. And, you know, over time, it, it just kind of like added up. It has slowed down in the past, I would say one to two years, but, you know, we're shifting to TikTok and we're just kind of going where the market is and where the, you know, opportunity is and shifting the business and, um, you know, trying to not get stuck in just one lane and just find yeah. where that opportunity is. Yeah, I think that's the right approach. And did you try these products one by one when somebody reached out to you or how much did you check the products that you promoted later? Almost every day I'd have a, someone that direct messaged me and, you know, I, I would kind of vet, I would look at the brands and um, vet who, what products we promoted. You know, like I said, we, we did that for, there was around six months to a year that that's all we were kind of doing was we were just promoting other people's products, essentially selling advertising space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doing. But but, you know, I, I saw the opportunity in e-commerce and, you know, I wanted to jump on that and, you know, build a brand and like have our own products. And yeah. so that's where the business is at now and has been for the past three to four years is really focused on building our own brand and our own branded products and, you know, getting the manufacturing, finding what product categories work best for us and our, our audience as well. I think that's a huge leap for every business owner and actually many people, they uh, don't take this leap. They uh, don't become real business owners. Let's say they just uh, stay as an influencer or maybe affiliates and they uh, promote the products of other people because building a business is definitely a yes. skill set and being an entrepreneur and many people, they, they just don't want to jump into it. And I'm really curious when you get started, what was your first few steps or after figuring out that, okay, I want to have my own products. Mm -hmm. How did you make them like uh, maybe drop shipping or, or white labeling or manufacturing them from yeah. day one or what was the approach? You know, in my scenario, which I still do have an insurance operation that I'm a part of, I wanted to, and this is boot, all bootstrapped, don't have any funding or private equity, anything of that nature. So I wanted to do things in a way that one was not going to overwhelm me and kind of just take steps. So the next step from the, you know, the influencing side and selling advertising space was I reached out to several of these brands that I originally partnered with that were kind of these small artisan type companies, mostly in the US that, you know, maybe they made, you know, these really cool, you know, one of our partners was this guy up in Canada that made these really cool rings out of whiskey barrel and bison horn. But, you know, he had a six week turnaround time because it was a one man shop. And same thing with leather goods. These were small companies, you know, these were artisans that, you know, had one or two people on their team. They made really great product. It was unique. And so I reached out to them. I was like, hey guys, I'm building out this 
you know, I'm wanting to build this e-commerce platform and, you know, would you be open to me listing your product on the site and you providing me, you know, essentially most of the time it was around a 40 to 50% discount for me to go. If an order is placed on our site, I go place it with them and then they ship the product out to the customer. So for the first year, that's how it was. So it was a very, you know, it was easy for me at the time to kind of grow a brand, build a customer base and do this drop shipping model and was able to do that for about a year. Then it grew and I was able to hire my first part-time employee that kind of helped with placing the orders and customer service. So that was the, that was the first step was essentially drop shipping. It, it wasn't a normal drop shipping model where, you know, like you have this large product fee from Alibaba or, yeah. you know, AliExpress or you know, everything's coming from China. It was all like these very artisan type, like legit product. It was just a little different model. It was like on the back end, it was with discount codes that I would just go on their website and we would place on the back end, put our customer info in and they would ship the product and the tracking would come to us and we would on the back end, put the tracking out mm -hmm. to our customer. That was great. It, it worked really well for what it was meant to be. And that was to make, you know, to kind of like take a baby step into the e-commerce world and to build a customer base and to get used to like kind of the process and the tactics of like getting, you know, I was able to do a little bit of advertising at the time, you know, I got an email platform with Clavio, you know, was able to really start kind of like thinking more like a e-commerce brand and owner. And so that was the first step. And then once I had the employees, was able to hire a few employees, then, you know, it shifted to a, you know, we got a warehouse and I started getting buying wholesale at that time. So not manufacturing any product, just kind of like the drop shipping model, like get, going online and place, it got a little messy, especially when the customer came on and purchased three items. And we had three different vendors and we're having to go to three oh, different yeah. you know, places that, you know, it, it, and, and they're getting three different shipments. It wasn't an ideal customer experience, yeah. you know, as we grew. So we shifted a little to, you know, then we started to find, you know, wholesale and holding most of the product at our, at the warehouse wholesale and, you know, just buying directly in bulk from these brands and then shipping everything at ourselves. Did that for around a year. And then now we're pretty much to the point of. The majority of our, I would say 70% of our product, we are manufacturing under our brand. And we, we still do resell a few items with a few artisan partners, but predominantly we're, you know, our own branded product now and manufacturing it. Yeah. So now you are at a stage where majority of the products, they are manufactured by you, not by your artisan partners, basically. That is correct. Yes. And uh, that's quite interesting. So many questions came to my mind. So I'm really curious uh, how much investment it took to start manufacturing your products and also the warehouse, right? That came before manufacturing. So it's yeah. definitely something that you really need to prepare maybe even for years to make this investment or what was your approach? Well, I think like... You know, in my situation with having, you know, the opportunity to kind of have an income that has been separate from the e-commerce business that has been there to kind of support, you know, my personal living expenses. I personally have not, you know, through the years taken a lot out of the business. And so like anytime that I have additional cash flow, I've just kind of put that back into the business, either through, you know, the next employee to kind of help it get to that next level, or, you know, maybe it's a warehouse or maybe it's a new product category. And, you know, so I'm looking at for manufacturing, I'm looking at a minimum of $20,000 to, you know, get this new product category started in the store. But fortunately in my situation, I, I think it's one of those things that's like kind of unique to the individual and their business and their setup, you know, what they have going on for me, having the insurance operation and being able to do that still while growing this has allowed me to do some things in this business that I think maybe some, if I was solely dependent upon this business for income and personal expenses, I would be taking a lot more out of the business that it maybe wouldn't be where it is right now because I've been able to invest so much back into it. Yeah, it's a very common thing about it. I have a friend uh, here in Europe 
and uh, he launched a skincare brand a few years ago, two, three years ago, but it's low seven figure per year, I would say, mm -hmm. uh, or high six figure, but it's not there where he wants to see it and his co-founder, two, two founders. Mm -hmm. And uh, my friend had a very successful e-commerce course here in Europe, and that was a very good cash flow business. And he could right. make a very good living on that, but not from the e-commerce company. Mm -hmm. And for a while, he was okay with his setup. And now he decided to shut down the course business. And uh, now his full focus is on the e-commerce business, but mm -hmm. he has to take out money from it. So right. yeah, it's not an easy decision, like uh, yeah. full focus. Okay. But then I have to make my living from my business. So yeah, it's a tricky question. So you still have this insurance business or job, and this helps you to make a living and reinvest yes. into the e-commerce business. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, yeah, been extremely helpful and it, it's still a fun, like I, I enjoy business in general. So kind of being involved in different operations, you know, completely two separate things, but at the end of the day, they're both business and, you know, like the skills that you learn from one can easily transfer over to the other. And I think I've always had this interest in business in general. So like, I'm, I'm very happy in what I'm doing, you know, and kind of building, trying to build something. Same thing with the insurance operation. I'm in, I'm in the state of Florida. It's a very lucrative market. It's a challenging market in the insurance industry, but there's a lot of opportunity and, you know, I get excited about things that I can do with that business as well. Who was your first hire back then? My first hire was a customer service, really just, you know, helping place the dropship orders and responding to customers. And then once I kind of had him in place, that's when I started bringing in some of the product into like in-house and we started shipping. That makes sense, I think. How many people do you have now in the team? We have four people and then I do have a few, uh, two agency partners as well. Okay. So let's talk about different marketing uh, channels here. Instagram mm -hmm. at the beginning now, you said you are uh, going to TikTok more and more. Is it the main channel now? Still organic is the main channel or it's shifted? Main channel as far as like organic traffic or sales. So if we take a look at everything that you have, because at the beginning, Instagram organic was the main channel, yes. right? And then you started some ads, as you said. Mm -hmm. But nowadays, what is the main channel if we take uh, really into account organic everything? The main channel of traffic and ultimately sales really is Google. Okay. Paid, paid Google. You know, That's a big shift. Yeah. And, you know, I discovered that honestly, that is what whenever we really started, you know, growing from like kind of the small like one team operation, you know, to getting a warehouse and having, being able to bring on four, you know, full-time employees. It really was when I discovered Google shopping campaigns, smart shopping. Now it's the Pmax campaigns. Those that, you know, for our business have, have done the best because we're very, I would say we're kind of a giftable type company. Like a lot of people come on and buy as gifts. And we have a little bit higher price point, you know, so Facebook has always kind of been hard. It's been a little harder to get the results on Facebook that we get on Google, but Facebook too. And then Facebook and Instagram paid now, you know, is a big part as well. So many people, they search for gifts or your product categories and they find you on Google. Yes. Um, and when you say Google, is it Google ads or SEO more? More Google ads. You mentioned TikTok. So what do you do on TikTok? I mean, what's your strategy? It's more about TikTok ads or you use the same strategy that you used in uh, Instagram back then? Mm -hmm. Is it organic or more paid? I'm doing both right now. So TikTok, we're still like, I know it's been important, but I've seen it becoming even, you know, why it's more important now. And we have around 22,000 followers on there right mm -hmm. now. You know, it's not as big as our Instagram, but it's one of those things that I, I'm kind of setting things in place to be able to invest more into it because that the type of content on TikTok is different than Instagram. And, you know, yeah. obviously it's video. Fortunately, 
being a lifestyle brand, we are able to kind of partner with others and we do easily reach out to other people that create good content on TikTok and they allow us to share that on our page. Mm -hmm. And so it's something that's not even, you know, a product related to what we sell, but it fits the lifestyle brand, you know, so it may be a a cooking video, like, you know, someone smoking meat, you know, on a grill, you know, some recipe, you know, has nothing to do with product we sell, but we do sell kitchen knives, um, the type of person that we do sell leather aprons, you know, so the the audience and the type of person that that video may resonate with is good for us. So we have an in-house video creating for TikTok is something that I'm wanting to invest in. We don't have that right now on the platform really well, or we haven't done it well. It's yeah. something that yeah. we want to get into and are making efforts to doing. And I don't know if you do YouTube, but uh, I think you could use this approach on YouTube as well. Mm-hmm. It's longer mm-hmm. format videos, but right. reach out to influencers, YouTubers, and uh, you know those who you mentioned cooking, for example, or mm-hmm. talk about whiskey or whatever, yeah. and then you reach out to them, please talk about this product, review it in your video, some giveaway programs. And I think YouTube is, is great as well. Probably YouTube enables you to discuss the quality the most, like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, TikTok is short. And uh, right. yeah, do you do any YouTube or? You know, we sent product to YouTubers, you know, influencers, but as far as creating our own content, that it's, it's all part of the vision and all part of the plan. And we're kind of making steps to when I first had kind of the vision for the brand and started, I've always wanted it to be kind of like one part, a e-commerce, you know, brand products that we sell, but then also like equally a kind of content inspirational type brand. Yeah. 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 So these first few years we've probably have been more heavy on the on the on the product e-commerce side and selling the product using and using paid ads to to be a part of helping scale the brand but what i envision for the brand and you know is more cash comes in i'm able to make those next hires what i want is to invest more on the content side of the brand so like having more dedicated writing on blog posts long form video for youtube tiktok video all in house that we're creating maybe eventually kind of like a online journal you know kind of like think mm-hmm. like men's journal something along those lines i i think can be a really big part of building helping build a brand and not just like a e-commerce website you know that's my vision and where i'm hoping to go and looking to go you know in the next few years so maybe we can come back in a few years and we'll look a lot different at that time yeah and you have a uh, four people only as you said and uh you already create a lot of content with four people you know like i know other companies with 10 20 people and they make less content than you so I think that's already a huge achievement that uh, only with four people, you you have a very lean team compared to the output. So that's great. I have only one question to you. So someone has a a popular Instagram page with uh, many, I mean, what is many, but let's say 10, 20K followers and they want to grow they and they already grew to this level and they are hesitating if they should start out with a Shopify store, let's say, then what would you tell them? What should they do first? Yeah, I, I think it really depends on their situation and you know the the capital that they have. If they don't have any capital or yeah, let's say they, don't, do, they don't have any investors. Yeah, if they don't have any capital, it's gotta be lean. They probably have a full-time job somewhere else. You know, I, I think you gotta be strategic in how you do it. But I, I definitely think like you know, something as simple as finding a, you know, I think dropshipping has its place, especially for newer brands, you know, so whether that's dropshipping, like kind of the model that we did, where it wasn't like a print on demand type 
mm-hmm. app that you kind of like integrate into Shopify. It was a more manual, like we found some other, we were reselling product from other brands. But, you know, I think someone that's built a nice little following them, you know, it can be as simple as merch, you know, merch, you know, like there's, I know some good apps on Shopify that link you to print on demand type t-shirts and other merchandise like that, you know, that you just kind of get your feet wet and you get used to, you see kind of how e-commerce works and what is a basic Shopify plan, $29 a month. Yeah. 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 You know, <laughs> um, Clavio gives you or MailChimp, any of those give you up to a certain amount, maybe a hundred, 250 subscribers for free. You know, you can do it like very risk-free. You can get a store up and running and you can at least like get used to the, you know, the back end and the processes. And so maybe that opportunity comes when you do have a little bit of capital. And so, you know, for a year, maybe you've hardly had any sales, but people know that you have a store and now you got some capital. Now you can maybe get some better product in there, or you can do a little advertising just kind of small baby steps. Building an audience is certainly valuable. You know, I, I did find that at the end of the day, you know, if you have people's attention, yeah, that's a big, that's a big deal. Attention is today's currency, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think. And product quality, as you said. So I can see so many dropshipping stores trying to sell shitty products. And mm-hmm. I always mention this, that's crucial. So as you said, you reordered the products and uh, you could see the products or you, you couldn't, right? Because it was dropshipped. So you just ordered it and you typed in the address of the customer and it was shipped there. Yeah. Right? All of these products that originally were dropshipping, those were actually companies and brands that sent me the product already on the, okay. on the influencing advertising side. So I was very familiar with them. They were mm-hmm. familiar with me. So when I reached out to them to say, hey, I'm building out a e-commerce store and I would love to feature your product in the store. They knew what we were about. I knew what their product was about. And it was like, I, I think whenever I had the idea to do it, I reached out to around five of the, like one was a whiskey decanter company. One was a leather goods company. One was mm-hmm. a men's wedding band maker. Yeah. I reached out, it was just like a DM on Instagram and they're like, yeah, let's do it. And, you know, they provided me the discount code and then, you know, I got their product uploaded onto the site and, you know, right from the get go, I had three product cat- collections, you know, yeah. whiskey decanters, men's wedding bands and leather accessories, like all within a day. You know, I reached out to them. So, yeah. So it can be done. You, get, you, you have to be a little creative. You do. Especially. Yeah. And uh, you, I love this, that you made sure that the product quality is good because yes. many guys, they don't do it and they don't understand yeah. why the business doesn't work. And that's a crucial step, like mm-hmm. bad product and, you know, what do you expect? So yeah, make sure that the quality is good. Absolutely. Thanks, Brandon, for uh, coming here today and sharing your story. I think uh, we learned a lot from you and from your uh, your background. And thanks everyone who watched the live stream on LinkedIn and Facebook or uh, listen to the podcast in the next uh, few weeks. If you like this episode, then uh, subscribe to the major podcasting channels and on YouTube as well and uh, leave us a review. And uh, thanks again, everyone. Stay tuned.